0: everybody welcome back to we and you where we talk about the kentucky commission on human rights and a little bit about what's going on in our area i am terrence sullivan
1: and i'm britney cook we're broadcasting from beautiful downtown louisville here in the historic hayburn building
0: So the First Amendment, it's pretty straightforward. Um, just to start our conversation, do you care if I read read it word for word of what it actually says, and then we can jump in on what it means or what we think it means or really how it relates to us?
1: No, I think that's the, the best way to go about it. We definitely need to know, like, what is it that the First Amendment actually states in the Constitution?
0: Uh, um, So, uh, uh,
1: me, 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 me,
0: that's that's what I do before I read. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, I appreciate you doing vocal exercises with me. So, the First Amendment says, should I do a voice or just read it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Let's do a voice, what do you got, what do you got?
0: Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech. Let's do a
1: different voice. Okay. Do do a southern bell.
0: <laughs> Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people to peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. So that is the... The entirety of the First Amendment, which I think one of the the bigger things that people don't talk about uh, is the brevity of the size of these amendments, because in your head, it feels like this should be longer, at least to me. What about you?
1: Yeah, I would say the briefness of it makes it more obscure and is why we keep having so many debates about what it is representing and what it is not
0: no yeah i i think you're i think you're exactly right because the so talking about free speech for example uh-huh, it just says or abridging the freedom of speech <laughs> um
1: i e what we got that's, that's, <laughs> i can't even think of like just a standardized example of that because it's so vague
0: so yeah, the whole kit and caboodle is that the phrase, yeah. Um, I mean it's it's longer because you start talking about there shall be no law respecting an establishment of religion, um or prohibiting the free exercise of religion. And then that abridging the freedom of speech or of the press. So there are a lot of there are a lot of clauses in here. Um that people pick from when talking about the first amendment, because you have some people who strictly think of the first amendment as freedom of religion, but then you also have the people who then talk about freedom of speech or freedom or freedom of the press or peaceably to assemble. And so I think there's also the last part and to petition the government for a redress of grievances that that part, uh, very rarely gets talked about um but the overall it's a very short and and looking at the Bill of rights and that's why there's so much conversation about like the the Second Amendment or the Fourth Amendment or whatever um, is they were written in a way that's short enough and direct enough that you are supposed to understand the intent, but depending on your Views on anything well yeah <laughs> on constitutional construction and application you e- you either apply it very strictly or you use this as a baseline or a foundation for what you think it means um and there's you know no sure way on either side of what's best. I mean, personally, I don't love any concept of strict constructionalist, um, or constructionalism, um, or textualism, or textualist people, because then, you know, uh, there are some things in the Constitution, as it was written, that are problematic to both of us, um, me as three-fifths of a person. Um, so I I like being able to use context. Um, But overall, this is one of those amendments that people kind of go both ways with. And so, what were you thinking of in terms of talking about the first amendment in relation to where we are right now, especially protests or assembling or whatever?
1: Yeah, so Actually, I feel like there's been a big argument lately surrounding private agency areas and the difference between the First Amendment rights that as a government institution has to allow you the freedom to do X, Y, and Z, um, to speak out on your beliefs. Um, And these private agencies, that are now depicting and deciding, you know, who gets to say what, or who is going to be provided their service, and um, where is that aligned? Um, there's a lot of different examples of that right now. We have, you know, Facebook apparently hush-hushing different people across both sides of different arguments. What?
0: Did you say hush-hushing?
1: Yeah, (laughs) hush-hushing. They're hush-hushing them. (laughs) Or, you know, like flagging their profiles and just not letting them post things.
0: Okay, just making sure. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, And then you have cases like uh, Chelsea Nelson here in Kentucky who um, has been granted the ability to state that Uh, She will not produce product as a photographer for um, people who are not in heteronormative, well, not even heteronormative, heterosexual um, relationships. And so I'm just trying to to wrap my brain around um, where does that stand with us as an agency and supporting the First Amendment, right? But also like where... Where are those lines um, in the bill itself or the amendment itself?
0: So the bill works, it's a bill of rights. Um, right, right.
1: But I'm just uh, spe- more specifically the one.
0: So <laughs> the first one. <laughs> I think, it, and this is a larger conversation, but I think looking at the actual, the first one, two, three, four, five words of the First Amendment. <clears throat> really answers that question at least for me um it says congress shall make no law (laughs) Uh, right and so (laughs) that's where a lot of the misconception of the first amendment takes place is private regulation of speech um and in in relation to your comments on hush hushing people um, and our, our friends at the ACLU, um, at least I know nationally, may feel a little different. But in looking at the First Amendment saying Congress shall make no law, it mm-hmm. literally means there can't be a law made restricting the freedom of speech. However, um, private companies or Entities or whatever are free to do whatever they want. That's why they have, I mean, when you got your your phone or when you sign up for Apple stuff and you get that long list of service agreements, you're agreeing to whatever their rules are. And that's mm-hmm. the same thing with joining a private company to utilize their services like Facebook or Twitter or whatever. They have their own rules and policies that you have to follow as part of being able to utilize that service Mm -hmm. and violation of those terms um whatever they may be is grounds for being kicked off or whatever from (laughs)
1: like
0: from that service and so in the case of someone using Twitter to spread misinformation or start dangerous practices or whatever, they're well within their rights to restrict that speech because they're a private company. They're not the government. They can do, they can restrict whatever speech they want, and you can love it or hate it. I happen to be on both sides of it because I understand some of the issues that the ACLU had about where's the line of when you can and can't censor someone. But at the end of the day, you do agree to terms of service, and so being able to regulate as a private entity, um, what takes place on your private service is you're well within your rights because you're not Congress or you're not the government making that rule. You're a private entity saying, this is what it means to be able to do this. And so mm-hmm. if if I opened a lemonade stand, um, I've, I've been craving lemonade for like three days, But if I open a lemonade stand... Yeah, perfectly normal for January. That's what I can get myself for my birthday this weekend. Um, But if I open a lemonade stand... And I say... I... You can come... Buy lemonade here as long as you don't... Pour things in it. (laughs) Because then that (laughs) ruins it for other people. Um, And it could be dangerous for other people. And then you want to come and do that you don't have the right to come do it because i can set the rules of my lemonade stand mm-hmm. and so twitter or facebook as much as i hate facebook um that's their lemonade stand and they make the rules and so it's not the government saying you have to do x y and z but if the government did come in and say okay well facebook you have to allow this thing to happen but you also can't allow this thing to happen if they were forced by a government regulation that's different but if they're making that determination independently it shouldn't be contrary to some of the same things that we believe and i would have a huge problem with the government itself saying oh well you can't we're going to keep you from being able to talk because that's different, and that's indirect violation of Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech.
1: Yeah, and so I guess the, the larger concern, especially with some of these cases that are um, in co- the court system right now, is at what point does an anti-discrimination law give way to allowing people to state that they are using their First Amendment right to discriminate against other people.
0: So <clears throat> that's that's a little bit more tricky just because that's one of those things that people, it kind of shifts depends on, depending on who was making those determinations, um, because what is the reasoning first off for some of those limitations? So give me an example of what that would look like first.
1: Uh, can we go with the Nelson case? Is is that okay?
0: Sure. If you want to explain what that
1: <laughs> yeah, yes. so um there's a photographer um in Kentucky, uh, mostly based out of Louisville, Kentucky, and she had stated that she does not want to provide her photography services, which um apparently is specializes more in wedding photography for um people that fall on the LGBTQ spectrum. Um, The problem with that initially is that in Louisville, Kentucky, we have what's called a fairness ordinance, which basically means that as a city, we had established this identity that we will not discriminate against other people with their sexual orientation being listed within that realm. Um, So that case has gone to court. um, And at this time, she has been granted the ability to place on her website that she will not um, utilize her services for LGBTQ folks.
0: So, and I guess my question though, um, in a lot of uh, issues similar to that one, is where your quote unquote right to discriminate Um, comes from another protected (laughs) right, which a lot of people for issues like that use their freedom of religion as a protection against actions that they view detrimental to their free practice of their religion. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where... um, we have that issue um, and that's why part of when we started when i said that's there are different things that people think of when they think of the first amendment and for some people it's you hear first amendment and it's freedom of speech um, you hear second amendment and people are like right to bear arms but this <laughs> one It's a little different because there are different pieces of it, different clauses that people attach to. And some people think of this as the free exercise clause um, because there's that clause about your right to go back to the exact wording. So I'm not making it up. Um, Yeah. No law respecting an establishment of religion but also no law prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And some people view this as the way to practice their religion however they feel is valid. Um, And so if something they're asked to do is contrary to them freely exercising their religion, that's when there are some protections for whatever you're deciding to do. I think Mm -hmm. in this case, the one you mentioned, it's interesting because there is some government policy, the Fairness Ordinance, that was enacted to afford protections to people that, you know, protections that should be there anyway, but afford these protections to people. And so this person is saying that the government making me, I'll just say me right now, just because it makes it easier, the government making me follow their law about treating people fairly... Uh, is contrary to my free exercise of my religion, mm-hmm. and so it's it's an interesting concept because it is a it's like a a reverse First Amendment <laughs> uh, because it's basically saying you not not the not the government making a law that's stopping me from doing something because. A lot of the cases, when you look at uh, some of the religious cases um, that had First Amendment implications that went to the Supreme Court, they talk about the practice of religion and Mm -hmm. different types of things that people wanted to do or how how they behaved within their religion or whatever they were doing. And this is a little different because it's not a law saying people can't do X, Y, and Z. It's saying you can't discriminate based on this attribute and being able to, and then asking for protection to do that. And so it's it's an interesting concept that, I mean, it's been tested, but there are also different. The hardest part about these types of things is every case is different and has its own Mm -hmm. nuance to where you can't look and say, oh, well, you know, looking at uh, the Church of Columbia versus Comer in 2017 that protects religious observers from unequal treatment um, doesn't always apply. They're, They're not the same because there's some... You can get an, an idea of precedent, but you also have to recognize that they're not being applied the same way because each thing is different. And this is this is a unique case or situation that I'm interested in seeing where it goes um, in the next step, which, given our current construction of the courts, I have an idea. But it's also... And this is where the nerd part comes out. Um, It's always interesting to me to read opinions Mm -hmm. and see the justification that is created for decisions because it's fascinating to me to listen or to read how people explain how their minds work because the law and interpretation of the law is fascinating to me because the two of us can look at the you know, first amendment and read completely different things into it on how Mm -hmm. it should be applied. And that can be maddening for people that require like a hard line, but for me, it's fascinating.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely with you there. I mean, because especially with this case, the whole concept of religion in a general sense is, you know, people spend Wednesdays or Sundays at a Christian church, right? Like, as an example. However, depending on the person, your religion is, is essentially your lifestyle practice. Like, it's, it's ingrained in you hand in hand, no matter what. So at what point do you stop practicing those beliefs, um, in order to practice your, or, or to, to work within your business. Um, and so one of the statements that Nelson had made was that during a lot of weddings, or I guess most that they had ph- photographed at that point, um, people are, are provided a ceremonial service and that as a photographer she participates in the service um, which just from my own experiences was not something I've seen before. Um, I've mostly seen photographers work during the service and take photographs during the service but she says she participates in the service so if she was to do so with um, a non-heterosexual couple that that would be against her religion. Um, which also opens up the ability to sh- discriminate against people of other religions as well, um, if that's the case, because we don't have only Christian people here in in this city um, at all, and so there are a lot of different um, religious ceremonies that could be present for a wedding. So
0: you just said two things. Um, one, you said something that if you're ever in a law school classroom that (laughs) happens and sometimes it's maddening because some people make that point for their reasoning on why they should be able to do bad things. Um, But you basically said it's a slippery slope (laughs) because of if we go down this road, then that could open up the possibility that people can discriminate against people who are different religions because it's like oh I'm going to take part in this wedding and this is a Muslim thing or a a Hindu practice and I can't participate in this Um, You are listening to We and You here on Forward Radio 106.5 FM and forwardradio.org That does open the door for that. I I agree with you on that. And so it'll be interesting to see where that goes. But it also goes to another part of the First Amendment. And this is nerd me thinking like, huh, see, you just made the point of why this is another case, I guess, or argument on why something like this is interesting and why there should be some clear guideline on this, because the first part of the First Amendment, um, actually, to me, when I read it, the first part, okay, first off to you, if you were making a point, if you were making a, writing a sentence or a paragraph to make a point, would you put the most important part at the beginning or the end?
1: Um, I was taught to do both.
0: <laughs> right. But you're going to have it up front, what your point is going to be or what your main, your, the conceit of the whole piece of whatever you're doing. And I've never thought about this until right now. So you're listening to my mind work. Um, I'm here for it. The first, the first clause in the first amendment is Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. That's, that's point one, that there shouldn't be an established religion. However, if we are then re- regulating what people can discriminate against in this situation, for example, based on it being contrary to their Christian beliefs, mm-hmm. wouldn't we then be in turn violating the First Amendment because we're establishing these Christian beliefs as the religion that we follow and use as the basis for
1: law. Mind blown. (laughs) (laughs) That's like meta.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I just never thought of it that way, but just hearing about this, this case, as you said it, um, if We were to go down that slippery slope and say, okay, photographer or whatever, you – my common sense response would be then don't participate in the church, like the religious part of it. Like don't participate in the service. Take pictures and be a third party like you're supposed to be. You're not in the wedding or Yeah, you weren't invited to the wedding. You
1: were invited – or you were asked to be a vendor for – the wedding you weren't
0: asked to officiate it like there are also people who are bringing food or there are people who are i mean depending on how fancy you are there might be people who are parking cars or whatever they're, they're not i don't think there's going to be a valet that says you know i you know i can't park the cars for these people um and so but going back to this just reading it it seems like and. Again, when you're making a point, especially with all these clauses, the Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion comes before the period, or not the period, the comma. So there are commas and semicolons in here, but you start with the main piece of it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is what comes before the comma, and we're talking about no law respecting an establishment of religion. Yes, and then... or or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. But if in your reasoning for how you regulate the free exercise thereof, if it all leads towards one religion or one religious, religious practice, aren't you then by default, establishing a religion, which goes against point one of your one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven point argument.
1: Yeah. Well, and then there's the counteraction of that as well, just as much as a law, (laughs) I don't know actually i'm sorry this is my train of thought too which is very very jumbled in here um just as much as you know this photographer is wanting to say they can't make me practice this religion during this uh wedding which isn't what they're there for but but if that's what she feels like she has to do when she photographs a wedding you know i guess every business practice is a different way um I don't know is wouldn't there also be a counter argument within like the first amendment that states well I can also bring a lawsuit against her for not photographing my wedding because she's saying it's based on religion but it's it's not <laughs> like she's not being asked to be there for the religious <laughs> service
0: I mean that's something they could try. I would, I would wonder, one uh, especially where we are, the likelihood of any success with that, um, but also, I think it's a valid point. And some. I guess that, it's, sorry. No go ahead. I guess
1: it'd be more of like a like a civil like I paid for this service that you're not providing type of thing.
0: Oh, yeah. If they had if they had already agreed to provide that service and you have a civil action (laughs) um, for performance of a contract. But that's, you know, different question of, you know, uh, yeah, there's a different question to have there. But at the same point, at the same time, if you were suing about all of this, if you're just putting your wedding or whatever on hold, then until it got resolved then that's also an issue because the only thing if you haven't paid or anything yet and you were just wanting to do this thing they couldn't keep the money and not do it but also if you're going to hold up your own thing like if you don't what are your remedies that you could get from that um because generally you would either get your money back or you'd have specific performance which would mean they'd have to do whatever they had agreed to but then if that were the case then you're waiting until the court system says they have to do it. And then even then, if I had a photographer that was forced to be there <laughs> by law, I wouldn't really want to pay for that because the, the <laughs> pictures would probably be terrible. It's like, Oh, he just paid $5,000 and all we got were pictures of feet. Like, <laughs> so going back to our first part of the conversation is where some of this loops back where it's like, well, how do we regulate this? Because <clears throat> These business owners, like the photographer, that is a private entity entity that can set their terms of service. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's where this is all cyclical and complicated to discuss, because if you're setting your terms of service and you're allowed to set your terms of service willy-nilly because you are a private mm-hmm. entity, that... Does complicate matters if your terms of service ask for you to be discriminatory, so
1: or if your terms of service are asking you to be of a certain religion,
0: yeah. I mean, I
1: or even a certain belief within a religion.
0: I mean, I think that if you go that route, there's a lot you can. There are a lot of things that are interesting in that situation because then you can you can make it fit whatever. Um, this is my constitutional law is my
1: <laughs> We just went down a rabbit hole. <laughs> no, but that's... Like, like, I can't even...
0: That's how it works, though.
1: There's so much more that my brain is trying to construct, but it, it just keeps collapsing in the middle of it.
0: Yeah, it's... It's hard because... The practice of one in reading the actual amendment, the practice of one, depending on the situation, could then mean that you're in violation of the other. It's like Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of a real life example of the issue that you face with these types of issues. Um, and just to go backwards a little bit, what I said earlier, it wasn't the first time I thought of it because you talk about, like, you talk about that in studying con law, but Mm -hmm. just in looking at these types of cases, how they relate to each other. Um, and there's a, there have been tests put together, um, for how you discern where these things come in contrast with one another um and if doing one is creating an establishment of the other but overall um i'm trying to think of an example of what that could look like and i can't think it's it's like if you had I was thinking Twister, but Twister's not a great example. Um, But looking at a stoplight and you have one light on the right side, so it's two hanging down. And one on the right says green, the one on the left is red. Oh. And (laughs) it's like, what do you do in that situation? Because if you go and you're following... Let's say the green light is the establishment clause, which talks about not establishing a religion. And that's the green light. And then the red light is the free exercise, like not abridging the exercise thereof, whatever. It feels like if you did the first one, you're in violation of the second. And if you do the second, you're in violation of the first because mm-hmm. in a way you're right both times because the light was telling you to go. It was green, but at the same time you also had a red light. And so then you have to figure out, well, what do the other lights say or where are we? And that's why I prefer contextual reading um, of these things because everything needs context. So if, if, the same stoplight. If the other ones, the all the other lights that would cross that are perpendicular, if they're red, then that means the green was supposed to be the one that I'm supposed to follow anyway. So I think a lot of these types of issues, you have to be careful of how you assess it and also what the analyzing part is and to your very smart point earlier how can you make decisions or determinations without negatively altering the future application of it because if I'm a photographer that can't do certain types of weddings because I feel that they because I I feel like I have to participate in the service if that's a valid reason then we can start to restrict our services that we provide to people based on us agreeing with everything about them which ultimately will leave some people out of that free marketplace because of preconceived discrimination or whatever and so it's interesting and that again ties back to the limiting of speech (laughs) by a private entity based on what their terms of service are and so I I don't know I think there has to be a especially in that situation there has to be like a bar that you have to meet like promoting violence or something is should should pass constitutional muster of any challenge even though it's not the government doing it uh, public safety or the general welfare of others um, should at least pass some higher scrutiny um, for application.
1: Well it's kind of convoluted if you think back to the fact that We're talking about a constitutional amendment, right? So, this has been there all this time, but we've had governmental and institutionalized discrimination that's been legal. And at what point do we step up and say, like, or we kind of already have, right? We had the Civil Rights Act, but we stepped up and said, okay, this has been legalized even though it says in this amendment that these should be illegal. So we already stepped up and said with the Civil Rights Act that it was illegal to have this legalized segregation and discrimination. But then it seems like we're kind of tearing back.
0: Do you you feel like we're actually going backwards?
1: I feel like right now that we're, I wouldn't say that we're going backwards specifically in this moment today, (laughs) but I feel like we're scrambling it all up. Um, and we're just confusing the masses. I mean, if you if you look up any social media around this right now or or even any published articles around this right now, there's so much back and forth on what is and what isn't upholding the law that it seems like something needs to be done to step up and define it a little bit more. Because everybody thinks differently, and everybody is going to be able to identify their own interpretations of things. But if we want to have concrete law, then then we need to establish what is and isn't pertinent to that law. But even then, I mean, that's just, that's scary in and of itself, in some aspects, because Well, I won't go further into that. I'll let everybody use their own (laughs) thoughts on that. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I just just feel like it's being scrambled up.
0: (laughs) Scrambled up. That's a good, yeah. No, and again, I am appreciative of the fact that it can be scrambled up because of the times that we get it wrong. And allowing yes. for interpretation and analysis of what things say, because uh, one benefit of our constitution is it is a living constitution and we can change it. Mm-hmm. And this is just one of the amendments. And the fact that we, we could amend, <laughs> amend it again and do more bright line, but then at the same time, being open for interpretation, even when I disagree with the interpretation, um, that's one of the things that makes us different and makes us more possible to succeed is being open to change and Mm -hmm. to adapt. And again, if we didn't have that interpretation or allowing for that, I wouldn't be here. Um, and there are there are things that we need to be more consistent around, and this is one of them. But I think it's cons- more consistent in application and analysis. But being ex- overly explicit is also dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I appreciate that we do have that going for us that we have this this vagueness and the brevity of our amendments and types of things like that that we can then use our own interpretation and understanding of the law and application to try to come to a reason of a reasoned um, opinion and guidance and i love when i get to teach these things because when i would be in my classes and we'd talk about and i just keep using the second amendment just because of all the the thoughts behind it when you break down where the commas are and the semicolons and all of that and it's like it's does this really say what we always thought it did (laughs) but the Mm -hmm. fact that there's an opportunity to dissect that, to try to get it right, I think is is special. But it also allows for people, nerdy people like me, who appreciate that and being able to think through it and try to understand where people were coming from. It also provides that safeguard if there were things that we had issue with, and so like this case, for example, that you were talking about with the photographer, I guess we were talking about it, um, let's say it goes through the federal courts and to the Supreme Court and they side with the photographer and say, yeah, you can't be forced to photograph (laughs) these types, types of events because of your religious practices. And we then get another case down the line because it's inevitable, Um, because that's how it works, is for every hard-line decision, there's going to be something that's similar to it, but dissimilar enough to where you can challenge that reasoning. Um, To your point, I'm going to find a photographer or whatever who doesn't want to film or take pictures at the different religions services and then I'm going to make the same arguments on why it shouldn't be why they shouldn't be able to do that even though even to the same court that said they should because I'd be interested again in how you would balance that analysis and reasoning for the second clause versus my argument I'm going to present to you on the first clause and say good luck (laughs) basically yeah
1: so and even as as you heard me tear back um as I was saying that I think that things need to be more concrete. Like I kind of got that gut feeling because I'm with you. Like we we need to be able to adapt and adjust and grow and have progress, Um, which means things are not going to be hmm, that concrete. I guess what I was trying to state is that I feel like as we are adapting and adjusting and growing, we can be more explicit and at least ex, like explaining what those laws entail. And that way, whenever we are trying to interpret them and adjust them, we have more of a basis of where we're coming from without it being a back and forth. Um, and, and with that said too, I am grateful that even though specific judges, no matter what their ranking in the court system is, have their ways of interpreting the laws, that's still an individual interpretation, no matter what. And so I I like the idea that it has been stated more and more lately, and and I hope that it is upheld, that just because a court decision is made by a judge or a group of judges, in one way or another, that doesn't mean that that becomes a law.
0: Well, yeah, sort of. <laughs> I mean it. It does become. It can a law, become a standard
1: without becoming a law. It can, I mean, yeah. Judges don't make laws. Well, they just interpret the law.
0: They interpret the law, but then they, in theory, make the law because they decide how the law is applied. Which is another conversation for another day.
1: Um, well, and that's a conversation yeah. for every case, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, and that's why this—that's why the courts are so important—is their opinions and the reasoning they use become the reason of why the law is applied the way it is until there's a new law to combat that and that's kind of what we see um, across the board in myriad issues not just religion but just thinking of voter suppression and (laughs) if a court were to say oh well these types of activities were illegal because of this type of application well the downside of legal opinions And all of that is it also can give you a playbook of how to get around it. Because if you get all of this analysis of why something is or isn't legal, you then know what to avoid in doing that later on. And so it's a double-edged sword, sort of, because it's helpful in understanding the reasoning of why something is or why something is applied the way it is, but it's also hard in the sense that since everything is ever evolving and the court system does have the ability to set the tone for how we approach things that then also can create this nebulous world for alterations to the law to fit what
1: well, we're seeing over and over again and I think that's what I'm trying to express um but I guess I'm I apologize I'm not doing it in a very um profound way <laughs> um I'm not I'm not expressing myself to where I would like to be right now um is that yes they they can set a standard for how laws are um set in motion and that can very very easily trickle down but what we're seeing right now is a consistent back-to-back of the same types of cases every few years with different outcomes each time and that's what I was stating in terms of you know whatever the outcome may be in one moment can be a different outcome in another moment. And, and that there's not concrete consistency. And, um, from what I've experienced so far, it doesn't seem to be very long-term impact of laws or on laws.
0: Yeah. We got to work on that part. (laughs) Um, but no, I think, I think this is a good conversation and something we can definitely, get back to at some other point just because since we're out of time now, but I think it could be really fun to we could find other areas where this is prevalent and there are is some contrarian or directly diametrically opposed parts of clauses in the Constitution, especially as they relate to the rights of people to be their authentic selves. And I think that could be a good uh, series of conversations.
1: Mm-hmm. Or even rights of civilians. You brought up voter suppression. I'd love to talk about that some more. Yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway, um, I guess that is all for us today. Uh, but we will have more fun and some interviews for
1: next week. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to it. woo The music you hear throughout this recording was produced by Esquire Music alongside Spice Productions.